The year is 1999. I'm Zach. I'm Salat. And this is my marvelous... My voice squeaked. I'm Everett Ross, and I'm definitely an adult. This is my marvelous year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book journeyman. I'm joined today by Charlotte, your comic book rainbow belt, who has been wondering why I'm sabotaging this podcast. And Charlotte, I have to tell you, it's because I want to move it to the Himalayans. I hear the acoustics there are just much better. Oh, that makes it, that will make it even harder uh, vis-a-vis time zones to record. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for you. Uh, I, I really like like this is one of the rare times where, where we can actually say we're reading the best of Marvel comics, which is not usually <laughs> the case. <laughs> yeah, it's a bluff. We're mostly reading the, the most important, but uh, this time I think we're 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 in the best of Marvel comics. Yeah, the, like last episode, Definitely the best of 1999. Yeah, well, last episode in this, like two of the best batches of comics we've read. In a long time, at least. Like, the 90s... Yeah. The 90s have had good stuff, but, like, I don't know how many episodes we've had where we're just, like, this is, you know, one good to great comic uh, after the next. So, uh, yeah, yeah, excited to jump into it. Um, this is 1999. Yeah. We're, uh, we're beginning with continuations of the Marvel Knights stuff that we started in 1998 with Dave. And uh, so, Inhumans, Black Panther, and Daredevil, the, uh, the end of the 1999 runs today. Um, the rest of this year is going to bring, we've got some more Avengers with Kurt Busiak, we've got uh, some weird Hulk stuff, we've got two separate X-Men events, The Hunt for Xavier and Magneto War, and then we're going to finish it off with Earth X, which uh, we talked about last time, it's a Alex Ross um, like alternate universe 12-issue mini maxi-series that I don't really know much about, but Dave says it's great, so... Uh, excited for 1999 and excited to talk about these comics some more. Uh, I think these comics, even though I talked about them already in 1998, like they're rich enough that there's more to talk about just uh, just through these extra issues. Um, before we jump into that, let me just say, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash year for as little as a dollar a month. You can get access to our full master spreadsheet for both this and my ultimate year. And uh, for $5 a month, you can get access to our Slack channel, which is a really nice, uh, fun community of people hanging out, talking comics, and mostly talking other stuff. Just, uh, I don't know, talking uh, electrical problems I saw someone posting yesterday in the Slack, <laughs> and like asking for advice and getting advice, and uh, yeah, it's fun. Um, so if you need a plumber, just go to, <laughs> to the My Mom's <laughs> Yeah, Slack. it's $5 a month. It's going to be for, easier. Yeah, if the, any kind of technical advice you need to fix your home five dollars a month Definitely. in my uh my patreon um and uh if you want to leave us a review on apple podcast that's always appreciated i love seeing those so um charlotte yes, please so you you started uh oh, you, just before oh, just before yeah, we start please, yeah. i'm just gonna like uh put a, a mark just to know you cut i just realized i left my window open and i'm afraid there's gonna be bugger noise so i'm gonna close <sighs> yeah right and now. 
And all we're going to hear is just the sound of uh, accordions playing and people going, <laughs> ha, ha, and uh, probably like yeah, I- the sound of gondolas rowing by. Yeah, but gondolas, that's in Venice. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Batrock is currently Close fighting to. Gambit outside my window, so a lot of French accents. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm good to go. Okay. Um, so you read, uh, you, you caught up on 1998, which is, which is a good idea. It's hard, to, we were just talking off mic, but uh, it's yeah. hard to jump into this batch of comics without having read the last one. Um, what's your, uh, your overall impression? I guess we could just do it one at a time. That makes more sense. So in humans... Uh, as a whole, what uh, what's your impression of this book? Did this this land? I, I know you also listened to the episode that Dave and I talked. This land as well yeah. for you as it did for Dave and I. I think it did. Um, it was like I wasn't expecting to one day actually like the Inhumans, um, or at least like the classic Royals version of the Inhumans, which are the main characters here. And I think the book does a very good job at yeah. I mean, like you said in the episode, making you interested in the the lives of the inhumans like making them actual fleshed out characters and feel human even if they're very royal and godly um the, the, I, I didn't think i'd one day really like black bolt as a character or like be interested in black bolt um yeah yeah, yeah i think it's, it's a really really good series that delves into the the politics of the the Attil- Attilanic, At- oh, what's the name of uh, people who, in human civilization, civilization I guess? <laughs> Ad- Adelian, <laughs> Adelanians. Adelanese. Adelanites, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I, and the, I agree with everything, everything you the, say. The reaction of the world to Attilan was interesting, like, it manages to keep me, like, I believe in what's happening, even though it it kind of has the that we're we've seen Galactus and many alien races go onto Earth, and people are acting like it's kind of the first time, mm-hmm. which you yeah. know that that happens here and there. And I think the the story is good enough that you you believe in it. The like the the weird child in a bubble uh, guy that is sent to be the diplomat at the UN. That's that's kind of weird and fun. Like that's some weird fun fantasy fantasy politics stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Really, really like that that series. That that's an interesting point about the um the rest of the world. I mean, I I don't mind like a Marvel comic that's like, look, we're in the Marvel universe, but we're also in our own little weird corner of the Marvel universe. And yeah, don't think about how this fits in with you know Punisher. Don't like, <laughs> don't try to yeah, square yeah. the sir. I mean, I, I think that's a fool's game anyway. Is like looking at two Marvel series and trying to be like, how do you square these two things together? Like, you have to look at each work yeah. and be like, because if we're that picky, you're really boxing in creators to be like. No, but I, I do think like there there should be a general understanding that people know that aliens are around. Like, mm-hmm. sure. And I think that the Inhuman series works like that balance completely fine. I, I, the one I always think of is a, I think, 2014 Nova series uh, where, like, the main character is at school and they're talking about... They're kind of talking about aliens and one character's like, ah, aliens don't even exist. What are you talking about? You're, you're uh-huh, right. you well, theories. Right. We already like, had that with... The, uh, th- there was that... The chitteries have invaded so many times. And <laughs> yeah, many, Korean many times. And... It's exceedingly yeah. clear aliens exist. There was that Silver Surfer mini that Stan Lee did in the early 90s that had that same oh, yeah. thing. That it was like, aliens, true or f- they're like hoax. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I, I do believe, or I do buy into that. Um, yeah, and with the Inhumans, it, it becomes a little bit of like, humans are skittish around them because it's like, yeah, they've been here... They don't talk to us like they never 
leave their city. We don't know what they're up to in there. So you, you kind of understand, like, the fear and the UN's, um, like, hesitance to really deal with them. Yeah, and there's also, like... I, I I don't know if I wish there was more of that because I think the the series is kind of a very tight pack. I love Namor being in the like fantasy politics of that superhero world and dealing mm -hmm. with other yeah. superhero kings like the Inhumans, like Black Panther, and like he's a bit there because he's like mad that the like the new Atalan is in the ruins of Atlantis and he wants to get back those ruins, ruins, ruins. Ruins. How to talk? Ruins. Um, <laughs> Rings. Um yeah, that's some fun stuff. And he he's a bit too nice in this. Oh, at the <laughs> like end. He just, yeah. he just obeys to, to Black Bull's plan and is very thankful to get his stolen city back, which doesn't feel very namery, but that that's fine. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I like those Black kind Bolt. of interactions and name or Black Bolt's interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah he fit he fits um, well into this tone. As to your yeah, your thing about like liking the inhumans, I think I walk away. Like, like for sure, this is the first thing I ever read with the Inhumans. Like, I hadn't read the Fantastic Four first when I read this the first time. And um, I, I think it does such a good job of being like, who are all these weirdos? They're all really interesting. Like, yeah. I walked away from this just knowing, like, oh, yeah, Karnak, he's a guy who can, like, find the weak point in anything, right? And, uh, yeah. and even, like new weirdo characters like there's one guy who's just the biggest black bull fanatic and he's just a random guy that lives his normal life in atalan and there's an an, an entire issue that's centered on, on his like his point oh, of who's view writing and a how letter he to reacts yeah. yeah exactly and that's that's a very fun issue and, like i was like i was invested in that character even though i don't remember his name and he i'm sure he doesn't appear anywhere else well, yeah, he in dies here, this one right? issue so, at the very end yeah um but he had like the such a good job. And and I wouldn't say even after this that I like the humans, like I like Spider-Man or Nightcrawler, like endearing characters that I like seeing. Just like they, now I'm convinced that very interesting stories can be built upon these characters and their dynamics, which I wouldn't have been before. Well, I mean, this is, this goes for that argument of like good comics and like good superhero comics are not like just because it has a character you like, right? It's a good comic that makes the characters good and interesting to yeah. read, right? Like, that, and, and I get it. Like, I, I do understand that, like, oh, I really love, you know, Captain America. Like, I'm more likely to check out his comics and just be more interested in what's going on there. Um, but that's why, like, when people are, you know, uh, <laughs> we just had someone abandon doing the, like, I'm just going to read every Marvel comic. And, uh, and, you know, they tried it for two months and then they came back to our Slack and were like, I'm not going to yeah, read not, every yeah. Marvel comic. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, really? That's surprising. Um, <laughs> I, I'm being glib, but it's just because I we've I see that a lot. I see people being like, I'm ready to jump into my Marvels here, but I'm going to read everything. And it's like, all right, I'll see you like in a month when you've collapsed from exhaustion. Um, <laughs> but this person's pivoted and just wanting to read like everything Spider-Man. And I'm still just like, yeah, that sounds like fun for a while when you have good runs but as soon as you get to yeah like the 80s and there's like four concurrent series that are all pretty mediocre like you know you, you might like the character but it's not gonna like pull you through a bunch of really bad comics um so yeah that, uh, that's why i'm always kind of hesitant to to recommend that although i am trying to read like most of the captain america comics um, yeah, I've slowed down on that like, a little bit. Yeah, but with still going with characters like the Inhumans, it's easier to do because to that point you've had like what two miniseries. Oh and yeah, very, very weirdo little. appearances here and there. But like most of the stuff you read yeah. by them is also just going to be boring. It's like this is a good series. Um, 
also, as far as like liking the Inhumans, I think you walk away from this still being like, no, they're kind of alien and uh, the Alpha Primitive problem is not like solved <laughs> at the end of this. Like, oh, yeah. there's no neat solution to this. Uh, well, I mean, there's a solution, which is like free the Alpha Primitives. But like the, the comic does not provide that. Um, yeah, like at no point are you, yeah, yay Atalan, like go Atalan. And no, the, it's it's a weird society built on, on slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which when when the diplomat goes to the UN for help, the they like people at the UN are like you, you, we, we can't, we can't help you. Like your whole society is built built on slavery. That's this is all very wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's like interesting because it's also like okay, well they're not slaves anymore really, but they are you know stuck in a subterranean neighborhood where they are forced to like work to keep the city running and they're not really forced but it is still like indoctrinated it's it's kind of a weird like post-colonial thing of yeah we won't say you're slaves but right you're slaves (laughs) yeah more or less Uh, you know here's i don't know if i'd call it an issue i I do wish it was something that was like clarified a little more and and this is kirby's fault really so not jenkins fault like kirby's fault for creating this but like (laughs) What is an alpha primitive? Because they, like, at one point we find out that Waz, um, wh- who's uh, at the beginning of this the whole miniseries, is someone who was sent down to the alpha primitives. Like, so- he's somebody who went through the Terrigen Mists, gained his powers, yeah. and then unfortunately turned into an alpha primitive. And so now is like what? shunned and banished down to the lower depths. See. And then it's like, oh no, he actually does have powers. He just is an alpha primitive with powers, which is, you know, unheard of. And it's like, but then what does it mean to be an alpha primitive if you're not... I, I assumed it was someone, like, who didn't have powers, right? If you went through the Terrigen Mists and you came out stripped yeah. stripped of any kind of power. But this was like, is it just mean you're kind of, like, dumb? <laughs> like, you're dumb and monkeyish looking, and that's what being an alpha primitive means, even, you know, powers are no? So, I guess, like, law-wise, alpha primitives are just... A race that was created to be slaves by like an ancient inhuman scientist, mm-hmm. um, and I guess like because the 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 comic goes into like the powers of the inhumans are chosen according to what is needed at that time for that city, um, and like so I guess symbolically if they see a transformation that resembles a lot alpha primitives like when he comes out he's He's all muscly and bold and, like, he resembles Alpha Primitives and he doesn't have powers. So to their minds, it means that the Turgeon Mist has made him into an Alpha Primitive, mm-hmm. even if that, like, yeah. that's not biologically or scientifically true. Uh, it's, like, it's true to their conception of what power and being an inhuman is, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess there's just but, a little confusion um, when it's like, yeah, but Waz has powers. And it's like, oh, okay, does that mean he gets to being inhuman and then that's further complicated by the fact that like um yeah maximus is like manipulated everything so that th- this guy would like come out looking like an alpha primitive even though he does have like this power to uh to jump through reflective surfaces um which yeah, does I mean, lead it's, it's a to... thing where the the class that is being discriminated against is never the protagonist like they're the source of the revolution the social trouble in the story but then the heroes are the people in power and they're still in power at the end. Which is like, the story is about the Inhumans, the story is not called Alpha Primitives. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that makes sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that comes with uh, with like building the story that way. Which is fine. It doesn't like, you know, you don't walk away being like, 
it's justifying yeah. the alpha primitives. It's clearly like yeah. on the mind I, of the I comic. Mean, I guess I would be interested in a version of this where uh, what's his name Mo, whatever the was Mo's, was has like is more of a character and has more agency, I guess, and is just not just um, Maximus's pawn. Like, yeah. just I really are you? Are you are hungry for more? You're hungry the... for more was content. I mean, it could be an interesting character, I guess, like one that has been raised in the in human ideology and society and that is completely thrown into the underside, like, there's potential to... I'm not saying I need that, but I would be interested in that version of the story, I guess. Yeah, I I just, I think I'm hesitant, like, to, to see that being interesting, because I, I think it's kind of a weak story point that, like, Kirby made, you know, just of... Um, it, but at it least, is the like, thing it, the story it, revolves around. Yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah, it does. The, every time Karnak talks about the flow in Inhuman, in Atalan and Inhuman, like, that's... That's where the weak point is, and that's what Maximus exploits to, to like, create trouble. I guess. Yeah. But it is such a f- central f- like point, and the what uh, the trouble relies on. That I guess. It, I mean, yeah. I guess it would need that more interesting twist, uh, like, which maybe is what is lacking here. That uh, having more, I don't know, agency or doing something more interesting with the alpha primitives I- themselves. And not just it being a plot point. I mean, it's to... like an observ- observation of their culture, but it doesn't like, yeah. it doesn't really get into this stuff. Um, yeah, like too deep. Like I still walk away with a lot of questions about like, okay, like I don't really, I don't really get how this works. Like I don't fully understand, which is fine. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I don't think it's exactly on the comics mind to want to like, you know, like this is not the forefront of... Um, you know, like solving this or anything, and the status quo is pretty much kept in place yeah. by the end of this. Uh, maybe, maybe that. That's but a I do think bit of a... by the end. No, oh, go on, please. Uh, I do think by the end there's a clearer understanding of how, like, the general principles on which in human society rely, and like the dynamics at work there, like in a way that I definitely wouldn't have any idea of how to describe to you how in human society works before this. Like, yeah, I, I do understand that there is like the higher social class and then there's the alpha primitives way down below and there's between the two of those there are like the normal inhumans and how the Terrigen mist and that transformation is such a central point of that society like everything relies on that and the way they maybe not idolize but almost like almost idolize almost worship yeah how that yeah. process works yeah oh like, for sure. it is yeah. kind it's, of it's a holy process to them. to them yeah yeah definitely yeah so let's talk about the end of this, um, because I think I think the end's the weakest to me. Um, throughout the yeah. entire series, we have this big buildup of, you know, the humans are attacking, Maximus is betraying the city, and everybody is like, let's fight back. Like, all the Inhumans are like, it's easy, we could squash them like bugs, let's fight back. And Black Bolt refuses to engage with the humans over and over. And that's like, really the big core tension of this book is... The um the internal pressure between Black Bolt and all of his advisors, all the rest of the Inhumans, yeah, who see him as like being complacent, as like lost his will, as lost his like leadership, um, and it, it's revealed at the end that all this is so that at the moment when all the you, like Black Bolt not only is not doing anything, he has um, like manipulated every all all these actions and all these events to happen, right? Like he. He's the one who dropped the shield and made Maximus think that he's the one who dropped the shield. He, uh, 
you know, like a- allowed all this to, to go on and facilitate it in some yeah. ways. And, it, and it's so that there's a flaw in the, um, like the bedrock here, uh, where the inhuman city is sat on that Karnak and Gorgon can manipulate to break the city free. And then they're going to use Lockjaw to teleport the city away and make humans think that it is sunk into the ocean. Um, yeah. th- th- that's the big plan. And it's like the city will vanish. They're going to remove it to the Himalayans and the humans will think that it's Which I think has been a close point before. Cause I think they've already been on the moon and on the in- 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 Himalayans on at this point. So I think yeah, they, I they have already Himalayans moved too. around and pretended they disappeared. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. I uh I definitely like were were they in the Himalayans before? Is that true? I th- I don't I can't remember if they've been before that, in the ultimate universe. I think so for sure. because when the Fantastic Four found them, I think they were I can't remember honestly, but I I do think they have moved around before because I I know they were on the moon definitely before because Magneto <laughs> visited them on the moon at some points. Um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, I guess they have moved around, and like it's also yeah, from it was... having read uh, 2010s comics, it's not the time that's gonna happen. In a very similar <laughs> way to this. I yeah, think. it's a big plot point. Is like, where's this city gonna land? Um, yeah. yeah, it was. It was Himalayans to moon back to Himalayans. So yeah, that the entire yeah. thing is to manipulate this into happening. W- what do you think about like that as a resolution to all this tension being built up between Black Bolt and the rest of the uh, the Inhumans? Yeah, I do think it's disappointing and it kind of lessens um, like the focus that has been on Black Bolt because everyone is questioning him, mainly Gorgon. And the I guess it's mostly in the caption boxes, but that he is too like he's too afraid of killing the humans, like because of the trauma of having accidentally killed his parents. Like even if the humans attack his city, he won't fight back. And like you, you are led to believe that that is because he just doesn't want to kill the the humans. And, he, and you kind of think that it's like Marvel superhero stuff too, where it's just like yeah, yeah. These, I mean, Black Panther's going to have a little bit of this issue where it's like yeah, these are mercenaries sent to destabilize your government, and you know, Black Panther's like no, don't kill them, <laughs> and it's like it's yeah. literally a war. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but there is some. There would be something interesting to the fact that he knows how much more powerful his city is than mm-hmm. the rest of humanity. Of uh, humanity, and that if there was actual war, they could kill them all so easily. Like that. That would be an interesting thing. I, and I don't know. I don't think that the story does that much with that, except to be the maybe um, uh, intentions of Black Bolt. I think the the idea that. Everything was actually engineered by Black Bolt, and he knew all along, and he it was his old his grand plan. That's kind of disappointing, and that's something I also didn't like in the Black Panther. Like the way the situation is resolved, and the hero being backed in the corner is resolved is by no, they they actually knew everything all along, and they were the one manipulating the situation, and that's that's rarely something I like. Uh, like I, that's I, a very fine line to walk. I think I like it here. I like that like idea. Black Bolt doing it here because I do believe that like Jenkins had that in mind from the start. Like everything does slot into yeah. that, and you're like, okay, like that makes sense and it feels planned. Black Panther. I do think it's maybe resolved a bit too quickly. Yeah, but Black Panther, it feels like um, that might be like, oh, I didn't really know how to plan this, and I thought it would be cool after, right? Like he didn't actually plan that Black Panther was going to be like yeah. in on the coup <laughs> initially, uh, and then he just wrote it in later just to make him seem like omniscient. Um, I 
I so I, I kind of like the idea that like Black Bolt was manipulating that. I think that all that all works. That's fine. Like to continue to assert that you know he is like working on a higher level plan that anyone can realize, and there's like a reason for his weird yeah. secrecy. But I think like the core motivation behind that left me a little cold. Like let's just move the city, and I'm like. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there were there weren't really any motivations. Like that's not, I guess that's not a a political or social or anything point of view which would fit more uh, with the rest of the series. Just like, no, we're we're just gonna move, and that's it. And like, there's not really a bit sweet, uh, like, I guess feeling to to that ending where you would be, oh, it's this is not a victory. Like that's that's um, that city still completely effed. Like, there's not, I don't think there's really that. Like, there's the feeling of what has been sacrificed, but I don't know. I don't think uh, maybe the the solution isn't questioned enough or, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, feel, it felt underwhelming, really, to, to well, because it solves, how high it, the rest of the story It was. only solves the issue of humans are, like, kind of nosy and want to get into Adelan. Like, that, that's yeah. about it, right? That's the, like, the main thing is that, like, <clears throat> we'd like to continue to be isolationists humans are going to make that a little hard for us. And that's, like, the problem is that it's not, like, yeah, the humans were, like, a real threat and we had to escape them. It was, like, they weren't really a threat at all at any point. Um, and so, but we had to move the city. I I don't know. Like, you, yeah. you just have to talk yourself into making this, like, make a lot of sense, right? Like, I, I could see an argument for it, but it's, like, it's kind of a stretch in the universe that this comic's built up. Um, so, yeah, yeah, but by the end... It's also a stretch to believe that no human will ever interact with inhumans again yeah whatever i mean like, you know, i'll give that, you one year fine. before the fantastic four uh, go into oh, lit- again. literally <laughs> as they go you know to move to the the himalayans like there's people in the himalayans like locals who are like oh yeah it's happened the gods are like, back oh, the gods have returned yeah. <laughs> which is fine um yeah so i just i just feel like to have the mystery of this entire book be built on like what is black Bolt doing and then it be this it does feel a little underwhelming um it doesn't yeah. totally remove the the pleasures of this book because they really are more about like spending time with these characters and this culture and like having it built up i think it's still like an excellent job at that i mean something i really love is the way that it does it like continually tells this 12 issue story by focusing on like one character at a time like we get an entire issue that's just through lock uh, lockjaw's point of view we get one through um what's his name the uh the Creature from the Black Lagoon guy. I can't remember his uh, name. Triton? Triton, I think. yep. Um, there's one, you know, from his point of view, right? Like, it shifts around, and uh, and that's a really interesting way to do this. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think still great. Like, this still lands in the category of great comic to me, even though I think the, the ending yeah. doesn't fully pull it off. Uh, it could have been, if it had really pulled off the ending, then maybe it would be, like, all-time great, but uh, it's, it's not quite there. For me, also, like, the alpha primitive, primitive stuff, like I said, feels slightly, I wouldn't say confused, I just feel like it doesn't fully know how to, like, deal with this or talk about it, um, I guess, yeah. like, in a way that, uh, like, really, like, it feels like it really, like, dives into this. Um, I think he definitely fleshes out more than it has been in the past, and I appreciate that. I, and I do appreciate that it didn't, like, feel the need to necessarily solve it and walk away being like, and now the alpha primitives and the inhumans, like live on equal footing and it's like no it's still kind of a uh, a very divided like caste system um and the inhumans I are mean, not necessarily these, one to cheer for as far as we know the society is exactly the same at the end than it was at the beginning 
Like mm-hmm. it works yeah. in the exact yeah, same yeah, way. Nothing has changed internally for Adeline. Like it's mm-hmm. only like in their relationship with humans that like that has changed. But yeah, internally the the city is still exactly the same, which is, which I mean, which is not bad in itself. But it's I don't know if it's questioned enough uh, by, by the end. But like, yeah, like you said, very very good story. I th- <laughs> that's something we really like. I'm very happy that we read both like uh, this Daredevil and Black Panther because all three of them are really really good uh, comics. I kind of wish we'd read them separately, like in different episodes, because I would have maybe liked them more se- separately by reading uh, 20 uh, mediocre comics between them. <laughs> mm, but like, yeah. here it's just like, oh yeah, it's just one of three very good comics that we're reading today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, it's a lot of comics too, right? Like each, every, yeah. I mean, you read both batches at once, but like each of these batches, it's uh, it's only something like 14 issues, 14, it's 15 issues. 12 for Inhumans, 13 for Black Panther, and 8 for Daredevil. Yeah, but like, and then split that in half for like two episodes. It still feels like yeah. a lot because each of these comics are ones that like reward you actually reading every word, right? Like mo- most of the dialogue, well, yeah. maybe Daredevil, you can skim around a little bit, but like, um, <laughs> you can definitely skim around the Daredevil. Yeah, but, uh, but at least the other two, even like, Black they, Panther, some of uh, some of Ross's internal monologue, some can, of it you can skim I, around. I'll, I'll defend it a little bit. Like it aggravates me, but I don't think it's like inessential most of the time. Like, I, I think he's doing yeah. stuff with the tone that matters. Let, let's jump into that one. Black Panther. Yeah. Um, so we've got Christopher Priest. You've got Joe Jusco uh, on pencils uh, for a little while. And then it shifts over to um, who is it? Uh, there's some somebody else takes over like four issues is Mike Manley. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is continuation of what we read before. Black Panther's... Um, Wakanda is like there's a coup on Wakanda by a guy named Achebe who's co-running Wakanda with Black Panther's stepmother um, Ramonda and meanwhile here in America Black Panther is like a, there was a child that was murdered that was part of a charity organization so he's here in America to investigate that and then it just kind of spins into this big conspiracy where everything's like kind of linked up together um, I guess first off my question to you is Ross. What do you think about this guy? <laughs> He's. I mean, I think I agree with something you said in the previous episode, which is uh-huh. I wish he was he was like fifty percent more slimy and like kind of bad like here he's just like you're never sure if the kind of racist or homophobic things he says are played for laughing that we're supposed to laugh with him or at him okay it's it's it's, i mean you know i can't i can't put myself like in christopher priest's mind i can't mind read the guy yeah but to me to me it's very clearly and it's you know again i am generalizing right if you're a conservative and this is not how you see this the world you know (laughs) i'm not talking about you but it does feel like a very conservative point of view of like here's you know a sensitive topic and instead of like the the way i'm gonna make fun of it is just to lean into the jokes and stereotypes right like it's like <laughs> yeah we actually saw a um a a there's like a street performance in the park a couple weeks ago and it was a couple black guys doing this like acrobatic stuff and they kind of kept making these like slightly racist jokes like both anti-black like you know 
like the black stuff was fine. It was like their jokes to make. It was like this is you know the only time you'll see a black man running without like a cop behind him, like running this fast without a cop behind him, stuff like that. It's like okay, if you want to poke fun at that yourself, fine. But then like they'd pull in like an Asian Asian audience member and like a Korean guy, but then they would make like sushi jokes <laughs> to the guy, Oof, and yeah. they kept making like kung fu and sushi, and it was like just kind of general like here's a joke about you being Asian and and they made this thing about like you might notice we make a lot of uh, racial jokes and racist jokes that's because racism is a joke and I'm like well that's a very stupid lame point to make right like <laughs> we're gonna undercut racism by just leaning into it and being racist ourselves but I think that's like kind of a cheap cop-out way to take this and, yeah. and the thing I mean, is that like it doesn't feel like Priest is making fun... Like, the, the jokes are at the expense, mostly, of black people. That That's the, like, thing that puts my teeth on edge here. And not in a way of, like, ooh, this is, like, offend... Like, I'm offended for black people here, right? Like, they can be offended or not themselves reading this. It's in, in a way that I'm, like... It, it's just kind of lame. Like, he's playing that, like... These jokes are playing to the white audience, right? Like, that's the thing that I think is, like... Really <laughs> lame here is that like he's not inviting you to laugh yeah. at Ross. He's inviting you to laugh with Ross for sure, right? Like sometimes he's inviting you to laugh at Ross, but like when he's making the joke, like Ross is not ignorant enough. Th- there's one joke here that I thought was like, okay, this is making fun of like a clueless white guy, and it's when Black Panther, not in costume, goes into the Avengers, and the guy there starts sweating because he doesn't know. He's like, is this? <laughs> Black Goliath, Falcon, like which which one is this? Like he doesn't know which. Yeah, Black Vince Astrovic doesn't know who who T'Challa is, and yeah, that part of I think yeah, the part of this I appreciate is priest poking fun of like the white center. I mean the the white. Uh, He's making fun of, of white uh, liberals oh, for I, sure. I, like that and that. Yeah, exactly. That stuff like, lands oh, okay. I, I'm yeah. not racist, but then he goes on to say. 10 racist things in one issue. <laughs> yeah. It, Which is like, yeah. that part of it I kind of appreciate. Like, that's poking fun at, uh, yeah, like you said, white, white liberals. I, the part of it that's just more annoying is that's our main character. Like, that's the person we're following instead of following T'Challa or any other more interesting character. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's really grating. Like, I don't want that to be the main, main guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I didn't find most specific jokes to be like particularly mean-spirited or like i don't know they, they they're not that much i mean no I, yeah no you're right i mean it do, they don't feel mean statements about this but I, for sure yeah they, they they feel i mean specifically they're the, lame the right? jokes like... about <laughs> like the gay jokes about um ever pros being very super um, the most gay panicky <laughs> of anyone yeah, we've exactly. ever seen it's really funny like at but, one point, he's, like, tied together with a naked T'Challa, and he is sweating bullets, and that's very funny to me. Like, he's just miserable having to be near a naked yeah. man, and that's it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, to me, like, I'm not offended by any of this, and I'm not... Like, there are comics, like, racist comics that I'm, like, kind of offended by. I'm not offended, really, by any of this. It's mostly... It's eye-rolling, and it's hacky. It's, like, really bad, like, hacky stand-up comedian bits right like yeah that's most of what this is um some of it lands also when, some when of it's like, actually okay all of your like, protagonist you know. is just that mm-hmm. then obviously it's just gonna yeah. get real old real fast yeah 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 um but like you said like it, it's not offensive really to me or it's not like hateful 
right? Like, it feels mostly like someone who's just, like, really wanting to deflect <laughs> criticism that they're being sensitive. So they're like, I'm in on the joke. Um, which is kind of what yeah. he says. He writes in, like, a letters column here that, like, a lot of the white editors in Marvel were really, like, nervous about making these jokes. And he's like, but what I wanted to understand, like, make people understand that, you know, race and racism is a joke. Haha, <laughs> like, isn't grits a funny word? Isn't it, like funny that black people do this like and it's like it, it i i think like all that's a dodge to me because like he's not yeah. these are not jokes like he's letting he's not letting you in on like black community jokes and it's not like from his point of view it's really like these are jokes at the black community and it's not like it's not that kind of thing of like it doesn't feel like black people making fun of themselves with their own like self-awareness it's that like comedy thing like all great comedy like all great comedy lets like lets you in on the joke and it's like inviting you in like jokes about suffering and so something that like a lot of bad comedians don't get is that you can make great jokes about really dark sensitive material but the best ones are the ones that like bring you in on that like suffering and pain Rather than, like, point at it from the outside and just, like, laugh at it, right? Like, it's a classic, like, punching down thing. And I don't even think you have to be punching up necessarily, but, like, when you're really punching down, it's just, it's not as funny. Uh, And it's also not as insightful, right? Like, no one knows how to make as good jokes about, like, being trans as trans people, right? Because no one gets it (laughs) the same way, right? Like, that's why, like, you know, cis people making jokes about trans people are usually... They're just bad jokes, if nothing else, because they're not, like, <laughs> funny because they don't really get it. Like, they don't really understand what it's like. This is the same thing here, I think. Like, except that Christopher Priest probably knows, and he's just, I think he's just playing for the, the white audience here. Um, but again, you know, this is me, like, projecting what I think is happening. He could have totally different motives. He could have different, like, ideas of, like, what he had to do. So, you know, like, take it all with a grain of salt of, like, this is just my read on yeah. it. I mean, uh, like, to me, in the way it plays out, it just... It's just mostly kind of annoying. Like, yeah, is right. the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Where, it's like, it mostly like I'd much rather be following T'Challa than Everett Ross. <laughs> okay. And I do think he's less of the main character in these issues yeah, than he yeah. was in it the shifts. previous uh, six. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And and I was thinking about it between these batches, and I'm like, I like I was telling Rose about this, and I was like, yeah, and you know, you're just following this like kind of annoying, sometimes funny, but like mostly. Like, not as funny as the creator thinks he is character. And I'm like, yeah. but it's not really, like, it's not a criticism that I can really make to just say, like, I wish this comic didn't have him and I want to try in it. Because it's like, that's the comic that exists. And so I don't think it's actually, like, yeah. I don't think it's a really great criticism to just say, like, I wish this was something else. <laughs> like, I think I'm, I want to focus it. on, like, critiquing what about it I don't like rather than just, like, necessarily. Like, because I, I like the structure overall. Like, I like his jumping around structure and i i kind of appreciate almost the like the the outsider's view it's just that like ross himself doesn't work a good chunk of the time the other part about ross that doesn't make sense to me and i promise this is what happened last time which is that it makes like we're starting out with all these complaints and it's making it sound like i don't like this comic i was very (laughs) excited to read this comic and i had a really good time with this comic yeah like really really have turned around like between the these two weeks of reading comics this is the one that i was like thinking about the most and like most excited to jump back into um the the other thing about ross though the way that he fits into the actual story 
really rarely makes sense to me. So, like, T'Challa really likes this guy. <laughs> to the point that <laughs> at the end of this comic, he's going to make him king of Wakanda. Which I actually think is a pretty good joke. Um, like, at least a gag situation. But the way that T'Challa trusts this man... And, like, lets him in the, as, as an insider on all this and, like, speaks to him with reverence and respect is baffling. Like, I, I don't understand it. And I, like, can't wrap my head around why yeah. this guy is, like, I'm, in T'Challa's such good graces with T'Challa. Yeah, I'm curious about, like, seeing that relationship maybe in later issues from the point of view of T'Challa and, like, seeing his inner monologue about what he actually thinks of Ross. Because I, I don't think we see that at any point. We only see him behaving towards Ross from Ross's point of view. Um, and I don't know if there's anything there, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of hope there's something there, like there's some kind of twist or something mm-hmm. uh, that would be kind of fun. But as it is, it just, wait, yeah, wh- why do you trust that guy that much? Yeah, he works for the State Department. Um, right? That's the, like, the part that's confusing is because... Yeah, you know, it, it is like, funny. T'Challa feels oh, almost yeah. more uh, uh, like distrusting of Captain America than he does of that guy, of this guy. Even though, in you know, I, and I would be like, okay, well, T'Challa doesn't trust, you know, this, but he doesn't have a problem with the State Department. Except that in this comic, he very much has a problem with the U.S. government, right? Like the U.S. government yeah. and the U.S. like intel services. It's it's a little messy in that regard. Like it, it just throws T'Challa's character into confusion. Um, you know, and, yeah. and I guess like, yeah, it could show later that he just used him as a pawn. But like, at this point, that means like, we're just reading, you know, 13 issues of comics where we're mostly like, well, this doesn't make sense. So, you know, maybe you can retcon it into making sense. But at the moment, it doesn't make much sense. And there's no indication that that's what's going on. Um, like every indication here is that T'Challa just likes this guy and wants to like, you know, help him out. Um, he works for the State Department. And it's like, there's huge, huge parts of this comic that are about how T'Challa is, um, you know, like the CIA and the NSA are working to like thro- overthrow Wakanda for the mineral rights. Um, yeah. Which, you know, also shows like priests distrust of, uh, you know, like these big American institutions. Um, his, his his target, like I like that stuff. Uh, and he's correct <laughs> in, in showing that the U.S. <laughs> intelligence agencies do work with like... Yep. Uh, mafias and uh, the mob to uh, to you know enact these like foreign coups, um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. Onto the good stuff. One, the art here, incredible. I think like the the um, what's the guy's name? Junko. <laughs> uh, I can't remember this. I'm saying Junko, but I'm not actually positive. Yeah. Mike Jusco, oh, Jusco, Joe Jusco. <laughs> Sorry, okay. it's not Junko. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Mike Manley stuff is okay. Uh, I'm not. What, what does Dave call him? Mike the Man Manley, I think. Um, he's been around for Isn't a while. That Stan. Mm, yeah, it might be Stan the Man. No, I feel like Stan, Stan is the man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he calls him Mike the Man Manley. I could make that up, but uh, he's been around since like know. the 80s, I think. <laughs> um, we've seen him in stuff before. I don't know what, but that name that name was really familiar to me. Uh, his his stuff is fine. It suits the stuff okay, but it's not like the Joe Jusco stuff is incredible. Like this. Um, yeah. Like Mike Manley style. has kind of a Batman the Animated Series style. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like that's, sure. which I don't know. At first I felt like it was a weird fit and then it's kind of blends together well um but it's it's a 
big difference from uh Ju- Juicos style. Juicos, yeah. yeah. Is that the guy's name? I Juzco? think it, I think it I think his stuff is fine. Like I think it's good. It's just such a downgrade from Juicos stuff. Like <clears throat> these like beautiful paintings uh that like Yeah, and it has a completely different style. Yeah, that like, just in comparison you're going to it. Rejected a little bit, <laughs> I think. I do think um, uh, Mike Manley's art works better for I can't remember his name, the villain Achebe, I think something like that. Yeah, Achebe, yeah. Uh, who's like a weird cartoony, like arcade-like villain mm-hmm. who traps uh, T'Challa and Ross in in <laughs> a giant arcade machine machine or something. That like was that. like a weird, pi- uh, a weird pivot for the guy. Like that had not like he was nuts, and he's you know talking to his uh, hand puppet of himself. Um, named Daki. Yeah, he went from bullseye nuts to arcane to arcade. Yeah, nuts. that was that was quite the pivot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that really that kind of works. Like, I like that the the comic can stay serious and on topic while still having weird superhero cartoony stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. It has both while still like threading that balance. This is the last we'll see of Achebe. By the way, um, I'm actually oh, okay. a little bummed by that. I kind of like the guy, but this was the last like <laughs> Achebe reference yeah. uh, or uh, appearance like. in the comics. Yeah, I think he was kind of fun. Okay. Um, yeah, so there, there's, you know, there's like I said before, Black Panther's investigating that you know, this coup. It, it's basically like the mob was funnel the NSA was giving money to the mob to funnel weapons into a neighboring country to like stoke an ethnic war to drive refugees into wakanda which will like destabilize wakanda um it, yeah it, i was really confused about the specifics of what was well, going on. the main idea is that t'challa is mad at the u.s government <laughs> yeah i guess you can walk away just knowing that t'challa <laughs> considers that the u.s government or at least part of the u.s governments have committed act of, acts of war towards wakanda that's yeah. that's kind of all you have to remember well, I remembered everything because I'm very plugged into geopolitics, Charlotte. Nerd. Although I will say, like, the, the guy who, um, he, like, kidnaps a guy, this redhead guy, I can't remember his name, who works for an organization called the LCL. And it was, like, I can't Does remember he? the, um, the, the, like, country that the guy is working for. Um, I don't remember anything about that. It was very confusing because they kept saying it like as if it's an, a real place. And then I looked it up and it's not. And it's just yeah, kind yeah. of like a stand-in for like a pre-Castro Cuba. Um, okay. Anyway, kind of like a client state for the uh, the United States. Anyway, uh, yeah, that, that stuff was... It did get a little confusing when he's like mixing in like fake fictional countries. But like trying to have them be analogs for other things. Um and then in the background, we've got, um, let's see, the White Wolf uh, here, who is his, like, adopted brother. Um, what's his name? Hunter. Um, who I think is pretty interesting, who's somebody who, like, he, he's almost taken, like, the Killmonger role in the movie, where he's, like, just really disagrees with the way, like, that Wakanda's being run and thinks it needs to be taken. Kind of. He's, a he almost makes me approach. think more of... Um... What's his name? Wakabi, mm-hmm. who is like the the character mm, that sure. is yeah that too yeah disagrees with T'Challa in the movie, but is still like working under him and wants him to to be stronger and like to 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 be a more I guess injunctively that doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> you say like conjunctive? order them around more. <laughs> no injunctive, but I don't think that works in English. Uh, I mean, 
No, I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of an assertive. But yeah, he wants Tichala to be more of like almost dicta- dictator-like. Yeah, like to well use his secret police Wakanda really with strong fists. Like, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. He has a secret police. Use them, you know, use them to you know assassinate and torture and all these different things. Um, yeah. And uh, so there's that going on. He's like still having a problem with Nakia because he made out with her when he was under the influence of Mephisto, which, man, can I just say, this this is the actual thing that really grosses me out about this comic. Not all the other bad cheesy jokes. Yeah. Like, it's the continual underlining of like, these are high school students. Also, like, it would be cool to have sex with them, but you can't because you'll go to jail. But like, damn, would it be cool? Because they're I mean, it's hot. very... Unc- <laughs> So are they definitely because I wasn't clear if they're like actual teenagers or if they yeah he keeps calling them high schoolers and been... he keeps calling them like he he mentions that they're oh, okay. underage he keeps talking I mean he keeps talking about going to jail he's like oh if I keep thinking like this I can I hear the sound of jail cells slamming like and then you know lots of I prison skip through a lot of Ross's oh. <laughs> in a monologue no he, he mentions several times that you know he like looks at them and he's like oh I better stop to me I wasn't sure right. if it was that or like. They've been like working or like kind of working tied to T'Challa since they were teenagers, but now they're like no, since they were like 20s. fourteen, and now they're like seventeen. Yeah, uh, no, no, it, it, no, it's super, <laughs> it's explicit. Like he makes sure you know okay. that you would go to jail if you had sex with well, these girls. Like, and he wants to. Uh, and it's yeah, huh. it's worse than anything's burn burn has done by a mile. <laughs> <laughs> I did make that joke though. Like clearly, like this part shows no, that he's influenced by Burn. That that but, is a very Burn thing. <laughs> well, except is, you know is, what? It it, to Burn's credit, to Burn is not like yeah. And look how like hot and appealing they are. And like uh, he doesn't have Reed at least being like, "I'll go to jail if we do this, Sue." <laughs> like, but you're so hot right now. <laughs> like that. That's the level this is working at. Uh, I, I mean, I guess there's that Superman I comic. Guess it's better. <laughs> no, no, there's that way. Superman comic where, um, like a 16 or 17 year old Lana Lang wants yeah, to he kiss kisses Superman. a teenager and like, yeah, no one will call the police on you, Superman. <laughs> yeah, our parents are there. And Maybe like, they should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna call the cops um, on you, Superman. Just kiss our daughter. <laughs> yeah, now I feel very weird about uh, naming the character that is T'Challa's girlfriend in the movies Nakia. Because yeah, I mean, you know, they probably... That's not a relationship I want to, to carry. Like, th- th- they don't have the same relationship at all, but it's weird to take that name. Yeah, I wouldn't be... I, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Lupita Nyong'o is actually was a little older than uh, Chadwick Boseman, maybe. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. But th- they're, you know, roughly the same age. They're both in their 30s in there. So, yeah, who who knows? I mean, you know... Yeah. I, I'm assuming that whoever takes over this is not going to keep them as teenagers. And it does... It's really just... Ro- I mean... It's a lot of Ross's thing. If it wasn't for Ross, then it would just be like they're young bodyguards, I guess. I guess they still talk about them as like wives in training. Uh, whatever. It's just, you know, it's mostly yeah. just wanting to. It, it's a little bit of a fantasy thing going on, I think. Like, I really think it's hard to yeah. read this as like not like fantasizing as about like really young girls, which is funny because it also like, like I said in the last um episode yeah, yeah like it's so clearly wanting to also be like pedophiles are the most disgusting people on earth and deserve to be like raped in prison uh but also not if they're 17 because that's kind of tempting <laughs> it's yeah it's really nuts um, yeah real weird. Real, yeah. Real weird. um yeah <laughs> god it really it really makes it sound like this comic is just 
a disaster. It's not like <laughs> formally, formally, I think he's doing really exciting stuff. Like, I think, I think it's really like the time yeah. skipping stuff feels, especially for Marvel at this time, but even now, I think is like very exciting and very like, yeah, holding. Very rarely does he lose focus enough that you're like, okay, like I'm a little lost here. Like, when you are lost, it's usually, um, you feel that you're like in good hands. You know where you're at in the story and what you're supposed to know and what you don't know. Like you don't know why Ross is in Iceland, yeah. but like you can kind of guess, uh, or like you're missing this piece of information. Like why is he fighting Craven? I don't know, but we'll find out soon enough, right? Like you you feel like you know you understand that you're going to be fed this information and like that it's okay to feel a little. You're not even confused. You're just like I don't know what is happening yet. But I understand that I'm not supposed and, to and know you, what's happening. You have yet. a general understanding of the situation and the yeah. specifics are never that crucial. Yeah. That you you're completely lost. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, what about Craven's I, I, ass? What about Craven? What about I that ass though? Didn't. Uh. Uh huh. Did you not? Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you not notice? And I did not. <laughs> okay, Charlotte. That's. Is it particularly permanent? Um, all right. Well, while we're talking about this, I will need you to open up. I think it's. I'm gonna double check here. I think it's number six. Uh, is that what we? It might be six. I think it's the first one we read. Um, I do need you to open that up on your uh, your comic uh -huh. book reading app, uh, because it's really important that you see Craven's ass here. I can't believe you skipped over this. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, Craven's here and has some of the coolest like fight scene stuff with uh, Black Panther, like. Um, oh, let's talk about Black yeah. Panther's design for a minute here. Um, they update his design. It's really good. It, I mean, it's definitely Batman inspired for sure, right? Like, there's definitely a lot of Batman here, both in the way that they... Okay, yeah, it's on page, like, page six, maybe? Uh, it's the one right after he breaks... It looks like he breaks Craven's arm, maybe? Okay. Okay, okay, there's something there. Do you see this ass, Charlotte? <laughs> It is a tight. Yes, I it is see a this. tight zoom in on two like very round melon. I mean, cheeks. it's two eggs. Yeah, it's it is two eggs. Mm, they're they're more <laughs> like cantaloupes, but uh, yeah, it's I can't believe you missed that. It's incredible. Followed yeah, by like yeah, such sorry. a cool I... splash page. The next splash page. There's a few cool like great pages here, and some good visual gags. Um, <laughs> the gag of uh, like Craven, Black Panther, and Ross all being in the room, and it's like. Craven has this huge lion roaring behind him. Black Panther has a Black Panther behind him. And then Ross has this adorable little kitten. <laughs> little kitty cats. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good visual joke. Um, yeah. yeah. Great, great art here. And, uh, but Black Panther's design, I like the gold um, instead of the silver, right? Like I think his modern design has a lot of maybe silver or is that, is that true or in the... In the movie, does he have gold? That's more the movies, I think. Yeah, okay. I, I haven't read he, modern comics. He, I feel like in the comics, like the the sh shades and underlines are mostly gold often and like here that's definitely where he has gold bracelets kind of mm -hmm. and not the he doesn't have the clothes the clothes around his neck like he has in the movie but he has some kind of color thing i wouldn't really know who yeah to yeah he's got yeah he's got kind of a necklace like this big yeah um medallion necklace thing and he, you know long gold claws i like his claws being like really long and um yeah like arced and then the cape, yeah. like bring back the cape is great. Bring back that yeah. cape. That cape is so cool, uh, and it's something I don't think of with Black Panther because I think of him being like very sleek and very you know like 
yeah, I guess it's just a very like sleek suit, but man, the cape's cool. Yeah, he he like it does a lot to make Black Panther feel regal. Yeah, exactly. In a way that yeah. he doesn't always feel like as the series itself says in the background of random 70s Avengers comics. Like in here, like he always has the presence in any fights, even when the Avengers are around. Like yeah. the focus is on him and that incredible cape. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, and speaking of speaking of the the Avengers, like there's one issue where the Avengers are involved in the battle. I can't remember exactly with the the context, mm -hmm. and like the it cuts between pan panel panel <laughs> panels <laughs> of uh, the <laughs> the 90s comic mm -hmm. and I think 70s Avengers comics yeah, in that old so style, and those two work together to tell the story of how to tell up joined the Avengers and then revealed that he did so to kind of spy on them and judge if they were a threat to Wakanda. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a really cool thing that we don't... I think we talked about that recently. I've talked that's, about it as something cool that I wish... They don't do enough. Yeah, I'd wish they'd do that more. Like, it's so much fun yeah. to do that. I mean, maybe maybe there's some rights issue, even though, you know, Marvel doesn't really seem to care about that. I mean, Marvel has rights to their own comics, I think. Yeah, I would assume so, right? They, they can just kind of insert anything they want to any yeah. comic. Um. But, uh, yeah, it's such a cool technique. Like, I love the, the mixing of styles, right? And it works as, like, a flashback so well. Like, putting yeah. you in the, the tone of, like, this is a flashback. Especially then if they, like, flesh that out. I, I feel like I just read something like that where it was, like, flashing back to an old comic and then, like, adding a few panels in. Um, man, something. Oh, oh, it was a Captain America comic that was, like, <laughs> it was a Captain America comic from the 70s that was flashing back to one in the 40s. Um, but it actually like oh, okay. added some panels into the 40s stuff, which is interesting. Ooh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so like really, really good stuff. Like the way that uh, I mean, the art, the art is huge here to make this work. The characters, like as much as we fuss about Ross, like I even kind of like Ross sometimes. Like Ross does make me laugh sometimes with his like doofy, <laughs> like I don't know, like do doofy fish out of water thing. Like he's so out of his depth here. Um, he's being chased around the White House on rollerblades I mean, by he's, Bill Clinton with a hockey he's stick. Like close to, he's close to being the Rick Jones to Black Panthers, Captain America slash. Except that he's not like whiny. <laughs> like he's not really. I mean, I mean, I, I guess he's no. He he's kind of trying to take charge of the situation. He's just bad at it. Um, yeah, but I mean, but you could you could kind of say the same thing about. I guess Rick the, Jones. the thing is that I do think. Like, the jokes that he's making, like I said, are, are not... I don't think the jokes are at his expense when he's making these, like, non-PC jokes, right? Um, I don't think the jokes yeah. are, like, at his expense that he's being ignorant and, you know, laughable. But I do think that generally his character is there to be made fun of. I think, like, his, yeah. you know, him, like, pratfalling through this whole thing um, is, you know, he's a joke character. He's not supposed to be, like, <laughs> having a cool moment here. Um and uh yeah it like it works really well uh black panther is very cool i'm still excited to read more of this like this was the one that i yeah like this is I, borderline like i'm like should i am i gonna buy this like and i haven't bought a comic since starlin's infinity gauntlet stuff uh in like hardcover yeah. but I, I might buy this one yeah, it's true i you might remember better the 70s uh don gregor stuff than than i do because the comparing this to the movie which there's a lot of points in common with the movie as far as like specific characters like Nakia Okoye um, mostly the characters that are present are 
seem to come from this. Um, like, I really like how comics T'Challa is not... Like, the, the movie version of, of T'Challa as played by Chadwick Boseman is really... He's a, a very good man and a good king and a good hero. This T'Challa is, like... He's not morally compromised, but he's a, a character that is a political figure. Like, he's, mm -hmm. he's a sure. political personality. He's a king. And he will make compromises to to put his... Like, his priority is his people in Wakanda, and then the rest comes next. And that's... Like that's very interesting to me, and that's something that I think the 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 comics of the the comics version of the character of the character like does that I really like. How present was that before this? Like I I don't really remember that for any other Black Panther comics. I mean, before. Rage of the Panther for sure. Like a big part of that is him. Okay. Leaving Wakanda, right? And he goes back to Wakanda, and people are like, "Yeah, you left for years, <laughs> right, to join the Avengers." Yeah. So like that's been baked in for a while like his dual loyalty to both his country and the avengers which this comic wants to point out like yeah that didn't make sense like why did you why are you so invested in the avengers this like american arm yeah arm of the like american imperial machine maybe um and uh and like it somewhat squares that circle here by being like yeah he joined to investigate them like he wanted to know what they were up to and he yeah. wanted to make sure that they were not you know just being used by the government to enact its will, you know, secretly in like third world countries, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, that that's there. I, I don't know if I like necessarily agree that he's more like compromised here. He's definitely more, no, no, he, he's, he's more arrogant for sure. Like the Bozeman character doesn't come yeah. across as like really arrogant. Uh, this, this one does, this one is like, I'm a King. I know what I'm doing. I'll be respected. You will respect the title. Uh, and he like, doesn't really have yeah. any time for anyone who doesn't like just except for Ross, who you know makes fun of him to his face, and he loves him for it somehow. <laughs> right? Yeah, he, um, I guess he's like a, a lot less a, lo a lot less friendly. Yeah, no, he's he's not very friendly in this comic, which is fine. Like, I don't I yeah. don't mind a uh, you know like a no, very serious. That's, that's that makes him very interesting, uh, especially you know in a comic that's mostly goofy to have the main character of it. Yeah. I mean, it does make him cooler almost in contrast. Right, like you get to have these super cool moments because they are these small punctuated bursts of like him being such a badass. Um, yeah, that maybe in a comic that was just trying to lean into just the badass stuff, it would feel like overkill. Um, but yeah. when it when the comic's mostly like kind of doofy, and then you get these like great splash pages of him fighting, and you know that that glare he gives. Um, God, and Craven's very cool here. This is like besides Craven's last hunt, and this is sun craven um like the coolest stuff we've ever seen from craven the way that he like he captures black panther on a rooftop and somehow he has a lion with him <laughs> which i don't think he has yeah. in the next page but uh he just has a lion with him it's pretty sick yeah uh the way the way that jisco draws craven is like some of the coolest we've seen yeah I, I, in all in all three of these comics i like the like the wider marvel universe connections like they don't they never over take the the comics but like yeah like craven fighting daredevil the uh, craven fighting black panther the character that is behind the daredevil machinations mm -hmm. even in um in humans there's some black widow stuff that's kind of fun yeah I, I i like how it is connected to the rest of the marvel universe and plays with some characters while still like 
always being its very own story, mm-hmm. which is a balance that I think they work really well, all three of these comics. Totally. That's kind of maybe what is needed needed for some of these characters. Yep. Yep. I agree with that totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really good. It's really engaging. I mean, like the end of this, well, the end of this hints at two things. It One, it hints at uh, Ross becoming the king of Wakanda, which I'm like... I think it's kind of funny, but I'm not like, oh boy, that makes a lot of sense. I can't wait to see that. I, I'm I'm a little curious about it. But it also ends with the hint of Killmonger joining in, and that is something I'm very excited about. Like, he references the yeah. um the Rage of the Panther comics quite a bit in like Killmonger here. Um oh, because Monica, um Monica what's her last name? Lynn. Yeah. Um <laughs> Nikia in a rage a bout of jealousy throws monica out of a jet <laughs> like just a, yeah. ejects her uh which i do like that is that's the stuff that mean that like while they're a teenager is kind of interesting like if you strip the horniness from it from like ross's point of view like them being teenagers and then sometimes acting like it like sometimes they're just super cool badass like you know the dora milaje like they are in the the mcu yeah. But then also they can act like teenagers where, like, they're just jealous of uh, of a boy and they, one of them just kind of throws the girlfriend out of a jet. Um, yeah, and then gets, and gets scolded like she's a child, right? Like, because she is, you know, kind of a child. Which, to be fair, she is, right, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to get into more of this. I think 2000, we're just going to keep picking this up and, like, reading more. I think we might skip a handful of issues. Yeah, we're going to jump into... We read up 6 to 13, and then Dave has us jumping back into uh, 16. So uh, I'm going to read the okay. in-between three for sure. Like, there's no way I'm going to skip over this stuff. I kind of want to read the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good. Okay, last thing, Daredevil. Uh, he's still a little a little drugged in the brain. He goes to Doctor Strange. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess he finds out he's drugged. Um He's been yep. <laughs> he's been hucking babies off of roofs. He's been uh, yelling at ex girlfriends, and uh, Daredevil's yeah, uh, pretty compromised here. Um, I <laughs> there, there's a really funny there's a bit here at the beginning where what does he say? He's like, my father tried to keep me keep me do like keep me in curfew right to maintain curfew when I was young by telling me frightening stories of conjurer this a conjurer who would like speak to demons and open portals to unknown worlds uh and now he's in front of me doing a favor and he's talking about dr strange and i'm like what kind of weird father did you have that like tried to scare you to get home at night by being like yeah there's a wizard about (laughs) like don't go out to new york city streets at night because you might get snatched up by a conjurer (laughs) in you know 1960s uh hell's kitchen <laughs> it's such a weird funny detail that doesn't make any sense um that starts out this yeah it it's almost makes me feel like makes it feel like he's from the like the most farther from big cities like small european village where like people gig t- tell tales right of like which eight, 1870s he grew up in manhattan <laughs> right yeah yeah like the turn of the 19th century in a, a small european yeah. village rather than yeah Anyway, that is to say, Doctor Strange is helping him out here um, to see if anything supernatural is going on. And the cool thing that's going on is Joe Quesada is drawing Mephisto, and he looks so cool. Uh, we've gotten so much Mephisto content in these comics, uh, and he's very cool every time yeah. he shows up. 
and they they have learned that the John Romita uh, Mephisto is kind of cooler than the human-looking Mephisto. Yeah, well, the human-looking like Mephisto is just kind of a generic, beast. like, this is Satan. It's a Satan-looking guy. Yeah. And this one is so cool. He's so weird. He's like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also drawing him kind of kingly. Like, I like that he's this strange, sinewy creature, but also does kind of look royal. Like, he's got this long cape. Um, and, uh, like, doing the in-between thing of, like, he's this... Yeah, the half creature, half um, like regal is uh, is really interesting. Um, but yeah, he yeah. shows up and like interrogate is interrogated by Strange and Daredevil and finds out like no, there's not really anything going on. And Daredevil finds out that he's been drugged, uh, and Doctor Strange clears it from his system, and that's probably why Daredevil's been like lashing out and hucking babies. And um, I don't know the uh, the the rest of this wraps up like. The twists and turns are not that good. <laughs> interesting to me. I, I guess I like the, the villain here. We, we can talk about it ultimately. It's uh, it's Mysterio. Um, Mysterio basically is like, I'm dying of cancer. I wanted one last go of it. I wanted one last big, I don't know. Uh, what, 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 what even is this? It's like a, you know, like I wanted to fool a hero one more time, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess he he wanted to break a hero's psyche. Yeah, but Spider Man wasn't around, so he went for Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the it's that's the part the that's so funny is that like he's like, well, I was gonna do it to Spider Man, who's like clearly my guy. But there's another Spider Man, and I don't I don't know. He doesn't do it for me. Like tricking him just doesn't get me off the same way. <laughs> um, they have to be dressed in red. Like that's that's my thing. That's that's my kink is yeah. to break the psyches of men dressed in red. <laughs> and uh, if they're not fully dressed in red, I don't get going. Um, yeah. So this whole thing has been a Mysterio thing, which I like. Uh, Mysterio, Mysterio as a instigator of like leaning into the psychic weaknesses of our heroes and like manipulating yeah. those and like finding the cracks and then like prying them open through you know like very spe- like specifically triggering them with their own demons like literal or not yeah um i think it's a really fun use of mysterio i really like that i liked it in spider-man before and i, I really like it here um yeah and I, like i never thought about it but he really works well with daredevil who's like a character that has his faith is a very central point of his, of his character and so that influences his vision of the world like Magneto, uh, Magneto Mysterio playing with that is really fun and like just because he he is blind and he sees the the world with his other senses like the way Mysterio will play with that like I yeah that that kind of makes sense as a pairing of hero and villain that's that's kind of fun I don't I don't know like I I like the idea I don't like the way it ends is just Daredevil telling him you, you're kind of beautiful like you're, mm-hmm. you're yeah you're not doing anything here um like that's yeah i guess that's fine <laughs> yeah and he's um, like oh if i'm such a copycat you'll love this one and he's like i'm copying craven and he shoots himself in the head which uh is also kind of a fun yeah <laughs> it's a fun like wink towards uh to those comics if you've read them um while also being yeah. kind of sad i guess i'm not that sad for him i don't know <laughs> like i don't walk away being like wow poor we- guy uh, he killed a lot of we people. here really miss uh, really miss Craven. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, he works well with Daredevil. I, I Karen uh, did she die here or did she die in the previous? She died uh, here. Um, she was like, yeah, she died here. Yeah, Karen Page dies here. I was gonna say again, no, technically Elektra was the one that died before, but it feels kind of the same beat repeated. Yeah, 
Yes, yeah, so there's um, a big, there's a big, but like, uh, like they have the baby. Bullseye is sent to retrieve the baby, and he slaughters a bunch of nuns and like bystanders at the church that um, Matthew's mother works at. Do, do nuns work at churches? Is that how you would say that? <laughs> um, <laughs> is that yeah, is that, I guess. I mean, she, she does work. I guess is that their job. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean that. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I know, but... I, You're making me question reality. No, I guess so. I just never really think... Like, you don't think of... I mean, I guess I think of, she... like, priests as being... Having a job, right? Obviously. And, you know, but, like... I mean, if priests have a job, then nuns have a job, too. Like, that's that's not the same thing, but that's in the same... But, do, okay, what about, what about monks? Do monks have jobs? Gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does the Pope have a job? Mm, yeah. The Pope should really get a job. Like, <laughs> you're in Rome, just sell pizza or something. I'm, like, st- I'm just going to go... be pulling your weight. I'm going to wait for, the, <laughs> wait for the, the Pope to drive by and uh, go join the crowd and then just heckle him with, get a job! <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have a cool car, like, drive a taxi, something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yes, uh, bullseye, big, big bullseye fight. And before we get into the end of it, one of the, one of the coolest bullseye moments i've talked about it a bunch on the show i this is this is okay this is the comic that made me go like oh bullseye is one of my favorite villains he's yeah so, so scary you mentioned this you mentioned this in like a 70s episode um uh-huh. like so you said something about something weird bullseye throws in a cave kevin smith written comic uh-huh, yeah and i didn't know what it was so i <laughs> Because it was Kevin Smith, I was imagining, like, a really weird thing, <laughs> which it wasn't. It was more, like, kind of, I don't know, badass. I don't know. Yeah, it is badass. Um, but, yeah, that's not that's Wait, not what, did what you I was think? picturing in my head. And he throws his testicles I... at Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not far off. <laughs> I was picturing him throwing a dildo at, at Daredevil. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay. It, that doesn't fit into these comics at all because Kevin Smith is weirdly, um, like Kevin Smith is not. Yeah, leaning, he's very held back here. Yeah, he's not leaning into his like Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob style of yeah. like comedy here. Like, there's not a lot of comedy, which is funny. Like, and he's not leaving leaning into that like hyper juvenile, you know, like yeah, intentionally hyper juvenile style that he has. So you're right that that yeah. would make sense knowing <laughs> Kevin Smith the director, but knowing Kevin Smith the comic writer, which is not a huge career. That yeah, that wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, but yeah, he knocks his teeth out and he throws his friggin' <laughs> teeth at him and uh for his eyes, it's so cool. <laughs> I don't know why that's like one of and the And it's crazy how much cooler it is than uh, Ultimate Hawkeye throwing his uh nails at people. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh I don't know why uh, maybe because that just feels too like, well, I don't know. Hawkeye's not a he, he. He should just have a bow and arrow. Him just being like a good thrower, and then also like, if he had killed people with these teeth, then I would be like, all right, well, this is stupid. But it like you know, it underlines that like they thud into Daredevil's cane, and uh, and Daredevil's like, those were meant for my eyes, which is kind of funny because doesn't yeah. Bullseye know he's blind? I feel like Bullseye knows that. I never really considered that. That I mean, I feel like throwing teeth into a blind person's eye would still hurt. Yeah, no, I know. Now I'm picturing the scene where he actually has to, uh, like, do this, you know, get get hit in the eyes and then Daredevil has to put on a big show (laughs) about it, like, (laughs) to protect his secret. Oh, no! This is... uh, Where are you? (laughs) Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would still hurt him quite. Yeah, it probably he wouldn't have to pretend that much. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it would still hurt. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for perpetuating harmful stereotypes that blind people don't feel in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, the, there's a cool bullseye fight. Uh, you know, I like I love the two of them. They're so like every time they fight, it's so scrappy. Right? Like, he's not fighting some big supercharged yeah. guy. And Bullseye, like, Bullseye's so physical. That's what I love about this guy. He's, like, physical. And, like, and just the thing of, like, making every item around him dangerous is is really, um, makes him frightening. Right? And then, like, the teeth thing drives yeah. that home where it's, like, really everything is dangerous with him. <clears throat> he does bring a gun. <laughs> and he's like, I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> so I brought one shot with me just to, like, put into Daredevil's arm to, uh, to kind of even the odds. And then he, Karen Page, like, tricks him into taking, like, the, uh, the a Jesus figurine instead of the baby, but he sees through it and he grabs the baby. Jesus figurine? <laughs> yeah, it's not- have, you, have you bought the latest Jesus Funko Pop? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, the Todd McFarlane uh, limited edition $350 oh, yeah. uh, Jesus action figure, but um, <laughs> Funko Pop's a much better joke. <laughs> Uh, actually, let me just type in this because I've seen that before. Like, I, I don't know. I had a friend in college who had like a Jesus Christ action figure. So I think that's a very, a very old, oh, sure uh, is, like yeah. Spencer's Gifts kind of uh, gag gift. But Funko Pop. Do you have Spencer's <sighs> Gifts in France? <laughs> no, <laughs> Do you know I don't. what those are? We, we don't. Okay. Um, there are, I don't know if these are real, but there's a lot of results I'm getting for Jesus Christ Funko Pop. It, it's called Joy Pop. Yep, it looks like these are real. There is a Jesus Christ Funko Pop okay. called Joy Pop. Is it official or is it like... I don't know. Let's get into the bottom of this. Let's get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Joy Pop. <laughs> this is what matters here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, and Bull- Bullseye then's like, oh, I forgot to return your cane to you. And he throws it at Daredevil and Karen Page leaps in front of it, uh, taking the brunt of it and uh, and bleeds out and dies here. Um, it's very sad. Yep. I I think this kind of works. Uh, I know yeah. people are mixed on this. Uh, I'm more mixed on her getting AIDS, which then is like retconned away as maybe um, probably a, you know, a Mysterio detail, like of him setting everything up. Um, yeah. But uh, I like to me, at least like in the story, this works. Okay. At, at least in the way that, you know, I like that she sacrifices herself. Right. It's like a hero moment for her. Um and the uh sorry i'm still just trying to find is this jesus christ funko pop real okay i'm done i'm closing the tab um but yeah the way that she yep, sacrificed herself works fine for me um and uh and yeah, I mean, like i guess misery I'm, over it is i'm annoyed by it because it is like the it comes after the the eight stuff and her being like kind of getting guilted by matt for having been a sex worker like yeah, yeah which i do think like he's in the wrong there like I, and I think the comic yeah. knows he's in the wrong like i don't think that's that's a case like i don't i never actually felt any like <clears throat> shame or judgment on her like i think the, all all the sympathy of the comic is with her for this and i think we get a decent amount of her point of view I, again like i don't think yeah. kevin smith is a serious enough writer to have like really dealt with that too tactfully but it also didn't strike me as like offensive um <clears throat> So, yeah, that's that's where I, like, I kind of land with that. And then, like, 
at least she didn't die of AIDS. Like, that would have been miserable. Yeah. Like, th- that that would feel more like just punishing her for this. This doesn't necessarily feel it, it like punishing, right? Like, she's there because of Matt. But the fact is that, like, she did throw herself in front of this, which I think makes kind of a difference for me. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it, I, I'm sympathetic to, you know, the, like, this is a classic example of fridging, right? Um, it's it's so tough because, like, it's it's one of these things where it's, like, fridging. It's like the Bechdel test. I was thinking about this the other day. Where it's, like, a movie failing the Bechdel test is not saying, like, yeah, that movie's sexist. It failed the Bechdel test. Like, the Bechdel test is used as a idea to just show like the scope of this issue. So you can say like, yeah, 95% of best picture winners don't pass the best test. Yeah. That is not to say, and, and it even started out as a, as a joke thing. Like, right. It's not, yeah. It's not an actual scientific tool. No, it's not, but it, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's to make a point and it makes a good point, right? Like, yeah. but you're not supposed to use it as a measurement for, you know, this, but you could say, look at all the Marvel movies and be like, yeah. Uh, you know, three of them passed the Bechdel test and be like, oh, okay, well, there's probably an issue here, <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah. in broad, that's kind of how I feel about fridging, where I'm like, it's kind of a more, like, a systemic problem, uh, for lack of a better word, right? Like, rather than every time a girlfriend dies in a comic, I'm going to be like, oh, well, this is just clearly, like, fridging. It's, you know, it's just that, like, that it just keeps getting returned to, I guess, is something um, yeah. to fill in. And, you know, I'm always going to, like, cut more slack when I feel like it's done well versus when it's done is just, like, a real chip, cheap, quick uh, way of, like, eliciting emotion. Uh, and it worked here well for me. Like, the, the follow-up with this, like, Matt's grief about this, um, the way that, like, he, you know, his memory of her, like, it felt more fleshed out than, like, Gwen's death to me. Um, it felt, like, more impactful to Gwen's death. And it was not necessary, like... It didn't even really feel like motivation for him to go, like, kick some ass. Like, it was just grief for him. Um, and I think Casada does some great work in the next issue in the way that he does, like, montage of Matt breaking things. And then you get that double-page um, double page splash of Matt's apartment from above broken into squares through the, pairs, the panes of the window. Which is, like, really yeah. good visual representation of, like, his life is completely like shattered right now uh and like broken segmented into uh into pieces uh it's really good i mean like visually it's really really good stuff like showing his grief after this um so yeah yeah i i I, I agree it's definitely not the it's far from the worst case of fridging quote-unquote that that we've seen it's yeah it's it's fine i think it's it's not like offensive or anything uh, it's just kind of we we've seen similar bits before, but yeah, it's it's fine. It's rather well done, I guess. Yeah, I um, and and I get like if people are like, yeah, this sucks. Karen Page didn't get much to do ever except be punished. I get it. Like I'm I'm sympathetic to that argument, and I don't, I don't think that's wrong. Yeah. It just it didn't it didn't grab me that way. Um, yeah, no, it's fair. yeah, uh, and uh, she never comes back. Uh, this is something I was surprised by. I was like, yeah, she dies here, but she must be you know like Karen Page. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I'm looking it up right I'm like on the Marvel fandom page okay. and like it's like the, the last paragraph is death. <laughs> and it's like oh, yeah. Karen's insurance Definitely policy allows Matt to rebuild the law office. That's the last uh line in her okay. wiki page. Like ju- just from her being a big character in the show, like I thought she was still a character in the comics, but Yeah, I guess okay, so. I mean, yeah. she's, you know, she's kind of a big deal for 
40 years of uh, Daredevil comics. Like, she's the girlfriend. So, kind of surprised they like that. Because, like, Kevin's... she kind of leaves for like 10 years yeah. at one I point. I guess she so does like, leave for at a least. Yeah. I, guess, I guess she leaves to be in Ghost Rider comics. So, she doesn't l- actually leave. Comics. Really? I didn't know that. Huh. I think she was. I don't know if she was Ghost Rider's girlfriend for uh, like a bit, but she was like a supporting character, like when she was an actress on the West Coast, I think. Mm, yeah. Huh. I, uh, I, I, that sounds vaguely familiar. I don't know. I mean, I definitely remember her yeah. going to the West <laughs> Coast, but I don't remember the Ghost Rider thing. Um, but yeah, so Daredevil, th- this is good. I think this is as good as the first arc, which is to say, like, yeah. pretty engaging. I think he's a, he's a pretty good writer. He's still, he writes too many words, but, um. Yeah. I mean, I, I had heard, like, both about Kevin Smith's Daredevil run and, like the Mysterio as a dead as a Daredevil villain, but I didn't know these two were the same thing. And I think mm-hmm. it works well as like a whole. I I thought it kept going. Like I thought he had a bigger run on Daredevil, but like next issue is David Mack. I think is the name of the writer. Like introducing Echo and doing stuff with that. Yeah, which we'll read. So next yeah, year. I, I guess yeah. that's the end of yeah. Yeah, I, I think the only the other notable thing on Daredevil. notable thing he does for um. For Marvel is a Spider-Man Black Cat comic called "The Evil That Men Do," and uh, I asked Dave because it was listed. Let me see. How did he have this listed? It was something really funny. It's like two thousand <clears throat> two thousand three or something. He has this listed basically as like, oh yeah, the worst thing that Kevin Smith ever did in two thousand two, um, <laughs> and uh, which is really saying something because that guy's got quite the career. And I was like, Dave, do you want to read this? We haven't done, like, a bad comic. And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, is it bad, like, funny bad? Or is it bad, like, it's just full of sexual assault? And he was like, oh, maybe the latter. All right, never mind. Let's not read it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to... Yep. I think we're just going to avoid it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, he that's it, though. Like, he doesn't have a big career, which is funny because this is a kind of a big, impactful arc. Uh, like, someone comes in and writes, like, it, it is not... Him coming in and doing a comic that is not going to have an impact on this character and Daredevil for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, really strange. Um, I'm just surprised he never... I mean, you know, he, he was making movies. He had a other big career, but, um, you know. It, it's kind of like that uh, Damon Lindelof thing where it's like, you're actually really good at this. Uh, too bad, like, too bad you decide to go make a Lost or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I really want to call out Joe Casada's art. Something uh, I don't think we praised enough in the first time. It's incredible. His art here yeah. is really good. His creature design, his panel layout, the, like the action flow. He incorporates. It's some of the first times we've seen, and I think maybe we've seen this in like graphic novels for Marvel before, but I can't remember specifically. Like the page borders being like woven in to the action or reflective of the scene. Right, so like if Mephisto's yeah. on page, then it would have like a fiery border to the page, and I, I don't know if that's actually the case, but it's just a made-up example. Um, but you know, st- yeah, he, stuff he's like really that. good. He does the Mysterio theatrics really, really well. Like he's he, that both like both his his demon creatures and his waves of mist and like you know what's the name of uh, yeah, kind of mist uh, brooms. Um, mist, yeah, he, mist he does that really w- brooms. No, not broom. Ugh, what's the word in English? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, fog, fog. That's the word I was like. Oh for. well, mi- mist <laughs> is correct, but what's brooms about? 
Broom in, in French, the word broom is like, yeah, mist. Oh, fog. okay. That's okay. Kind of gotcha. That means. <laughs> yeah, mist fog. Um, yeah. 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 It's true. It's got kind of um, like a, yeah, thick, liquidy feel the way he draws it. But yeah, yeah the, the, the little curls and stuff. His, his Mysterio has a very large bubble head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we, we, you, like, you feel like you only see the top of it. And that's, it's usually it's more of a fishbowl here. It's like the top of a dome. Which is kind of fun. Like he has a very large; it just fuses with his shoulders in a way that's kind of fun. I really like uh, Ball, the uh, the the guy who's like pretending to be a demon. Oh yeah! Uh, like his design is really funny to me. Um, and when he pretends to, like, he explains to Daredevil, like, "I'm your guardian angel, and you are in the middle of a war between like heaven and death." And like, at first, I thought it was real and was like oh that's a really boring story are we going to this and like no he's actually just a comedian hired by mysterio and put into a ton of makeup and that's that's kind of a fun thing yeah 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 exactly right and but his design is so cool like he's this big scary demon looking guy but then he has the like dorkiest haircut like and he's wearing just like jeans and a (laughs) t-shirt it's like a demon who put on like i don't know uh i don't even really know how to compare this haircut to anything it's just it's like almost a, a bowl I mean, cut it looks like the yeah the halfway point between velma's hair and scooby-doo mm-hmm. and um yeah it's got like helmet uh, hair what's the, <laughs> like a yeah what, what's the what's a male sheep what is a male sheep uh a ram yeah yeah a ram like kind of ram horns mm-hmm. his hair kind of looks like that yeah on the side yeah it's, it's really funny um but kind of uncanny, like it—it's that kind of like this is a big scary guy who looks a little silly, but that silliness, like I don't know, there's something to like making a scary person look slightly doofy, which can like almost make them scarier because then like yeah. you feel like they don't care about their appearance and um, and like human-like, like he—he he yeah. looks like a big buff mafioso guy, but also like kind of demon-like. Yeah. That's that's something we you you said about I think Thanos, which like it's more threatening for Thanos to be bear sized than galactic sized because he he's just the biggest person in the room but he actually fits in the room like that makes him kind of almost more threatening charlotte can i just say i love it when you quote me back to me it's <laughs> I, nothing makes me feel better than <laughs> you being like you remember when you said and i don't remember saying this at all but like just the fact that it's stuck in your head is very flattering <laughs> i mean it's that's from before I joined the show. Like when I just listened to the show, and I think those uh, episodes, I each of them I listened to at least twice. So I I remember. So them now, now that we actually speak, yes. you don't remember anything that I say. But uh, <laughs> uh, if you, I mean, the difference is I only listened to you talking the one time when we record. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. I rarely listen back to the episodes. That is fair. I probably actually it's probably similar. I think I probably remember when I used to listen to the show, like the first. Yeah. I don't know. 20 30 episodes i would like listen to them after they came out because i was so like excited about the show and like still it was so novel um but i don't do that anymore obviously uh yeah. so those ones are probably in my memory a little more anyway um yeah casada's art it's really cool uh i'm i'm really excited to see more of him uh moving forward because uh I, I know he becomes you know He's a big name at Marvel and does work for ever yeah. and ever. He's, <laughs> I guess he was he's editor in chief for a long time, but uh, I don't know. He doesn't do that much. He does he pencils like fifty comics. It's saying here on Marvel fandom. So looks like he does a bunch of uh, Spider Man 
That seems like oh, in the Marvel swimsuit specials. <laughs> I guess he uh, he worked on those. That's strange. Okay. Anyway, um, all right. Well, I think that's gonna do it. Unless you have anything else, uh, all good comics. Like nothing. Yeah. You know, like some critiques here and there, but uh, like nothing that holds me back from being like excited about all this and uh, just kind of excited to see. It'll be interesting to see like getting back into X Men. If like it feels like we're taking a step back, you know, like eight years, um, by like reading some X Men comics, um, yeah, like it, it'll be just interesting to see like when different series and little corners of the Marvel universe feel like they step forward into the modern age because most of this feels very modern, you know, like if this was, oh, definitely, I guess like, if this this is more than anything, the like we are now fully in the modern era of comics in a way that. Most comics haven't felt even post, uh, like, Heroes Reborn. Mm-hmm, totally. I mean, if these Daredevil comics came out today, like, I don't think people would be like, this feels... I mean, maybe they'd think some of the story beats were I mean, even were Black time. Panther and Humans. Black Panther is, is a little too, like, of the exact moment yeah, in its comedy. Maybe Black Panther less so. But, yeah. like, if, if you strip it of the, like, comedic overtones of, like, the... I don't know. Uh... Ooh, whatever al sharpton references <laughs> uh that kind of stuff right? i mean didn't i think i read something about um christopher priest basing Everett Ross on a, a friends character basing him off who a character from friends f- but i've never seen friends so oh i guess i guess he could be ross i i don't know i haven't heard that <clears throat> So no, I don't know. Maybe maybe that that makes sense. I guess Ross is kind of a nerd. I mean, that would make sense. That would be Ross if his name is Ross. But yeah, yeah, I guess so. If it is, it's very loose. Like I just wanted a guy who's a nerd. Uh, <laughs> that's no, about he it. said according to creator Christopher Priest, Ross's personality was based on that of Chandler Bing. Yeah, I guess so. I guess he's kind of a smooth talking, nervous guy. I don't know. I haven't I haven't watched that much Friends in, in a long time. But Chandler's, I guess, kind of like. Yeah, clever but uh, anxious. <laughs> I guess I don't yeah. know. That's that's a kind of a broad generalization, but um, yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, it feels very late nineties. But besides that, like stylistically, it feels very modern. Uh, so, all right, yeah. uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, our music is by Disasterpiece, as always. Who just did the soundtrack for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? So if uh, if you go catch that in theaters, uh, same. Ooh. Same guy. Uh, go go support go support our show by watching Bodies Bodies Bodies, which supports Rick Freeland, uh, aka Disaster Beat. <laughs> um, if you want to support the show, Patreon.com/slash My Run Here. I'd love five of your dollars. Um, five dollars would be yes, please. Yeah, if you give me five dollars, I'll go. Ah, thank you to myself. I'll look at my phone when that notification comes in, and I'll go thank you, and then I'll say your name. Um, which is what I do most times when I get a notification on my phone. <laughs> and if my wife's around, she'll wow. even hear me say thank you to you. So uh, there's a small chance I'll thank you to my wife. <laughs> so that should be worth it. Um, that and- should be a special tier on, on the Patreon. <laughs> uh, it, just the assurance that I will privately thank you to myself and perhaps my wife. Uh, you won't get any. <laughs> if you want your favorite podcasters, significant others to heard, to hear your name, well, this is the tier for you. You won't actually hear me say it, uh, and there's no real proof, but just know that I did. And reviews on Apple Podcasts. You'll hear it in your soul. Please. Yeah, yeah, you'll feel it. You'll feel it. Um, yeah. That will. That's gonna do it, and uh, we'll see you next time. 
see you next time why did you change the outro for oh, one damn it i did see you next no, time no, okay, I guess? No. see you next year <laughs> see you next year oops